one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. It reminds us of all that once was good. And the only church that truly feeds the soul day in, day out is the Church of Baseball. White Sox Weekly, presented by Miller Lite. The official weekly talk show covering all things White Sox baseball. The latest news and views from players, coaches, and direct from the front office. White Sox Weekly, on the proud new home for Chicago White Sox baseball. WLSEM 890. So welcome in to White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. You've got WLSAM 890, a massive White Sox Weekly show this afternoon for you as the White Sox have set the winter meetings on fire and uh, made a paradigm shift in the franchise, too, with a trade of Chris Sale and a trade of Adam Eaton. The future of this franchise has been shifted into the prospect status and into some of the young and talented players they acquired from the Nationals and from the Boston Red Sox. Huge afternoon of White Sox talk with you. 312-591-8900 is the phone number here on the show. We got a packed show for you, but plenty of time to you for you uh, to talk about the about your club, the Chicago White Sox, and exactly what they've done over the first couple of days or the, or the couple of days of the winter meetings and what the future looks like, both the immediate future and what seems to be Rick Hahn and the White Sox willingness to sell off some of the veteran pieces of this team and remake a future that is both young and robust and deep in the minor league system uh, and also the long-term future. What you like from some of these prospects and what you like from some of the uh, the massive talent overhaul that has come into the White Sox system and will hopefully be at guaranteed rate field sooner rather than later. It certainly looks like they've got some of the players in return for Chris Sale and Adam Eaton that can do that. Here's the plan for the show. Uh, I talked with General Manager Rick Hahn just after the Chris Sale trade, uh, so we did weren't able to bring you. Uh, we weren't able to talk about the Adam Eaton trade because it it didn't exist yet. It hadn't happened. Either way, it's a it's a pretty good conversation. At least I thought with uh, the General Manager of the White Sox about what this about a new vision for the White Sox, about what the new vision looks like for the White Sox for the future. We'll bring that to you in just a couple of seconds. We also talked with J.J. Cooper of Baseball America. He's the managing editor there. And if anyone knows their, their prospects, it's the folks over at Baseball America. So we talked with him a little bit about guys like Yohan Mankata, about guys like Kopech, about guys like Lucas Giolito. Um, talked with him after the Adam Eaton trade. So a wider kind of uh, at least more in-depth look at some of the prospects that are coming back to the White Sox. Other than that, chance for you and I to talk about these White Sox at 312-591-8900. That's the phone number. You can always get at us on Twitter. Uh, at C1McKnight is the Twitter handle. Uh, you can submit some questions that way and, and talk that way. We've already gotten a couple of submissions as to things uh, that you want to know about this club and about some of the prospects coming back, the trades that were made. I want to know how you feel uh, about where this team is and, and what this team's future looks like, too. Regardless, uh, and we got to step into it here pretty quickly. After the break, after we've talked with uh, White Sox general manager Rick Hahn, which will happen in just a second here, uh, plenty of time for your phone calls. And then, like I said, J.J. Cooper of Baseball America just after the 1230 news. So, without further ado, White Sox general manager Rick Hahn joining us here on White Sox Weekly. Rick, really appreciate you taking some time out of what's clearly a, a very busy winter meetings for you and the White Sox uh, quite a day on Tuesday, a franchise-changing trade. Obviously not something that happens out of the blue. I wonder if you can let us know what kind of discussions, what kind of analysis gets a, a franchise, and you ready to, to trade Chris Sale for the haul that you got? Well, it, it's a combination of things. From the standpoint of a level of frustration with the way things have played out over the last few years, 
as well as trying to be realistic about where we are as an organization and what we can reasonably project in terms of our path to winning another championship here in Chicago. And when we assess where we were, when we assess this offseason, where we were as a as an organization, as a, who we had under control and what was potentially accessible to us via free agency or via trade, we felt, frankly, that we had to take a longer-term point of view, that the way we had approached things over the last few years was not going to uh, very likely work again this offseason if we continue to have a bit of a patch-and-play, so to speak, kind of approach to, to team building. Uh, but ultimately, the decision to, to move a player like Chris is based upon the, the caliber of the return. And this is something that ultimately, when we were able to do this deal with Boston, uh, we felt the package was so strong uh, that it was something that we had to move on. We didn't enter this process uh, looking to move Chris or looking to move uh, the high-caliber talent that he represents. But ultimately, we felt we put our, the organization in a in a better position uh, through this deal and potentially others over the long haul. White Sox general manager Rick Hahn joining us here on White Sox Weekly. Rick, I'm, I'm sure you fielded a lot of phone calls about Chris once you started going down there and having conversations. Um, I, I found some of the reporting somewhat interesting. Uh, you can use whatever word you'd like to describe it. but I, A little creative. <laughs> so much creative works. I, I thought it was kind of fun to watch happen, though, from the outside. I'm sure it's easy to say fun. Um, but as you as you kind of go through some of these iterations and converse, conversations with other teams, uh, how how do you kind of make sure that you're getting enough for Chris Sale's talent? We, we talked a lot on the show last week about just how hard it must be to get a guy uh, to get enough for a guy who's paid what Chris has paid is is as darn good as Chris is and has meant so much to this franchise as as he has. No, it is difficult because you you can't really look for. Uh, a precedent here in terms of uh, this type of talent and this recent memory. Uh, so what you, there, there's two factors to it. There's the uh, sort of objective, patient, uh, you know, process that you go through in, in the quiet of our own internal meetings at the office in September and October as you try to craft a package on paper that you feel good about. And then there's the reality of what you talk through with other clubs in the market and whether they're going to be able to meet those expectations or not. Sometimes there's not overlap. That's uh, Sometimes these deals don't come together, uh, for example, perhaps at the trade deadline because no one got quite to that level that you felt was appropriate. Uh, but if there is uh, a certain level of overlap, as we felt there was with the Boston deal and, and being able to, uh, at the front end, acquire uh, the, the current you know, consensus number one prospect in baseball in Moncada and, mm-hmm. and uh, a high ceiling uh, potential front end starter and a guy like Kopech, uh, that's the, that's the basis to, to start something like this and, and, and uh, motivate you to, to move on. Well, I, I want to ask you about the return in just a second here. Cause even, even if you're not that much of a prospect nerd, which I am, Juan Moncada <laughs> gets everybody excited and Kopech too, but I, I have to ask, and I, I know you've been asked this question before, but we got to ask you here on the show too. You 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 said at the end of the season that the first move was going to signal some things, and obviously there have been moves before and and since and that kind of thing. But is there more work for you guys to do with the winter meetings here? It does does trading Chris Sale mean now that you go farther down that path? 
Uh, intent was always to head down that path. The the timing of it, though, was just simply going to be dictated by the market and whether we were going to be able to get what we felt was a proper return on any of our players. Today, we thought got to the point where we felt we had a proper return on Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, you know, it, 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 certainly if we had our druthers, we'd have several similar such deals over the coming days while we're here. That said, we realize we need to be patient in this process. We realize that what we're trying to do is, is create something sustainable over the long run, and that doesn't usually happen overnight. That uh, It's a process that takes you through an off-season and likely through a trade deadline and potentially another off-season before you start gaining that critical mass. Now, if the market for certain of our players, based upon their, their ability and, and their control and fits on other clubs, does lead to – more similar deals that we feel good about. We're thrilled to move on them now, uh, but we can't force the issue. we got to take a longer-term approach than that. White Sox general manager Rick Hahn with us here for another minute or so on White Sox Weekly. Uh, Chris was a joy to watch. He was appointment viewing. And I know last season was somewhat of a difficult one for him at times. That said, it, it seemed like everything Chris did came from just wanting to win ball games. I, I imagine that makes it tough to say goodbye to a guy like that. No, you're absolutely right. And Chris and I spoke about that specific uh, point this afternoon when I when I called to officially inform him of the trade. Uh, you know, he said that perhaps from time to time uh, his behavior, you know, veered into a, an area where it shouldn't have, but it was always motivated by competitiveness and wanting to fight for what he felt was right. And that competitiveness and that fight is part of what makes him so special in between the white lines. And yeah, occasionally perhaps it did spill over into areas where it didn't necessarily belong. But as Chris and I talked about today, it was always motivated by by that uh, well-intended desire to win ball games and do what he felt was best to put us in a position to win. And uh, that's part of what makes him great. And it, it's it's never fun to move a, a talent uh, as great as Chris, as Chris's talent. But he's also someone who, you know, was one of ours. Our, our amateur scouts were the ones who targeted him prior to 2010. And, and our player development staff played a role in getting him to the big league so quickly. And then he had success thanks to the help of our big league staff, uh, helping Chris unlock that, that great talent. So if there's a lot in this organization who took pride in uh, Chris's success and, and hopefully will continue to as he has success in Boston. Uh, but ultimately, you've got to make that tough decision to – put what we feel to, to, to move the organization uh, over the long term closer to being able to compete on an annual basis for, for multiple championships. Now, there's no doubt he's got a hell of a standing ovation when he comes back to the ballpark here in Chicago and makes his first start with the return, with Yohan Mankata, with Michael Kopech, the 105-mile-an-hour fastball. What do you <laughs> what do you know about some of these guys? Obviously, a, a ton. I, I White Sox fans are looking forward to, to seeing Mankata and Tim Anderson work the infield together. Is that where you see him um, playing immediately in the White Sox organization? And where in the org does Mankata start? None of these are finished products. I don't. We don't project any of these guys to to start the season in Chicago. Uh, Mankata did make it to the big leagues last year uh, for September, but uh, he's extremely young and has yet to yet to be the AAA. And at, at this point, I would project him to be the uh, second baseman at Charlotte at the start of the season. He does have the ability to play some third base. The Red Sox, uh, thanks to the presence of uh, Dustin Pedroia, was starting the process of moving him to third base to fit in with, with their roster. So it is conceivable that at some point he could could fit that for us as well. But for now, we do project him as a 
as an impact second baseman to to add to TA and, and help solidify us up the middle for an extended period of time. Uh, Kopech is a uh, uh, power arm starter, uh, plus plus fastball, plus slider. But is it 105, uh, Rick? You know, I, I have yet to see a gun say it was 105, according sure. to the Twitterverse, and there's never anything wrong on Twitter. Never. I know there's 100% never. accuracy to any tweet. Mm-hmm. He throws 105. Perfect. Uh, let's, let, let's go ahead and say that he, uh, he has a plus-plus fastball. I throw 96 on Twitter, Rick. 96. I believe it. I'm yeah. sure there's a lot of things about you on Twitter that are, that are accurate, similarly accurate. Most of them. I know there are about me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and he has a, a plus-breaking ball, great competitiveness, great mound presence. Uh, he's again. He uh, he was, I believe, named to the the All Arizona Fall League team as the starting pitcher just yesterday because he performed extremely well in that league this fall. But he still has some development ahead of him. Uh, he may well start. Uh, he spent half a year in High A, so he may start the year again in A ball, or he may start in Double A, depending on where he's at in spring. Uh, but we we do project him as a as a front line uh, starter and view him, project him out just about as well as any starting pitching prospect in the minors right now. So those are between Mancata and his up-the-middle everyday presence and uh, Kopech for potentially at the front of a rotation. That's a real nice place to start a deal. And uh, the Basabi kid is a plus defensive center fielder, a switch hitter like Mancata, uh, who uh, plays very good defense, can run, has a little bit of pop, and is, is only 20 years old in, in high A and, and an impressive, projectable guy. And then Diaz is, is another blower who throws extremely hard and, and uh, has a solid secondary offering. But he's probably going to start the year in A-ball himself. So, again, this is about adding as much impact talent to this system as we can and, and put ourselves in a position uh, to have some sustained success over an extended period of time. And, and uh, this, was a, this was a step towards that. Rick, really appreciate you hopping on the show. I think you guys knocked it out of the park. We'll talk to you again this offseason. Sounds good. I appreciate it, Connor. Absolutely. That's White Sox general manager Rick Hahn. And like he talked about building out and, and putting in some of this young and sustainable and top impact talent, uh, that was there was another step taken toward that uh, just, a, just the next day when Adam Eaton was traded to the Washington Nationals in return for Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez and uh, Dane Dunning as well. Uh, a huge trade there that we'll talk about some of the returns with J.J. Cooper. A lot more talk about uh, some of those prospects and exactly what you can expect from them from the editor-in-chief, the managing editor, I should say, of Baseball America. That's coming up just after the 1230 News. Soxfest 2017 returns January 27th through January 29th. It's bringing in ballpark fun to the Hilton Chicago. You can score an autograph or photo with current players, coaches, and White Sox greats. Your favorite areas are back with an interactive space to play games, win prizes, and shop for team gear. It'll be a weekend of White Sox baseball you won't want to miss. Hotel packages are available now. Visit whitesox.com slash SoxFest for tickets and more information. Your chance to chime in here on White Sox Weekly when we come back. White Sox have obviously made two major moves in trading Chris Sale and Adam Eaton. Want to know what you think about uh, the White Sox future and how they've adjusted their plans some in the last handful of days. 312-591-8900 is the phone number. If you're uh, on the Twitter machine, you can do that too. At C1 McKnight is the Twitter handle. I'm Connor McKnight, and you've got White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Three balls, two strikes, two outs, and the 3-2. 
strike three call. That might have been a backup pitch right there, partner. Indeed, Sale strikes out the side. They stand for him. The 0-2 pitch struck him out. That's five in a row. He's got eight. Cut up stands for O'Malley. Right-handed batter's box. Sale with the 2-2. Struck him out swinging. Six strikeouts in a row. 11 in the game. Sale goes to the dugout. 2-2 two two the count. Sale now just to the sign of the 2-2. To Jones struck him out swinging on a high heater. One ball, two strikes. Sale working quickly. The 1-2 to Salt Lamakia strikes him out. And the 0-2 struck him out. He struck out the side. The ball gets away from Avila. 2-3 on the strikeout. Sale has four strikeouts in the last two innings. Two balls, two strikes. A long look at second of the 2-2 two -two to Victor Martinez. Struck him out swinging. Nice going for Sale. One ball, two strikes. Sale trying to bag Merrifield. The pitch struck him out swinging. He's got 200. Congratulations to Chris Sale. There's 200 strikeout in the season. He's not done that once. I think it's the third or fourth consecutive year he's reached that plateau of 200 strikeouts in a season. Ed Farmer with the play-by-play -play here on WLS, your home for White Sox baseball. Chris Sale traded to the Boston Red Sox, and it is somewhat bittersweet. We just got done talking with White Sox general manager Rick Hahn. Chris Sale is going to go down as one of the most talented pitchers the White Sox had ever had in their organization. And as you heard Ed say, for a four straight years, he had recorded more than 200 strikeouts. 2013, his second year in the rotation, the first time he uh, went over the 200 mark. 226, 208, 274, 233 the last four years. I'm Connor McKnight, and you've got uh, White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. You can give the gift of White Sox baseball this holiday season uh, White Sox holiday packs include ticket vouchers redeemable for 71 great games in 2017 and start at just 40 bucks. Each order is shipped with a decorative card and commemorative White Sox ornament, complete all the official, uh, complete with all the official team colors and logos, as well as festive red stitching. Uh, visit WhiteSox.com slash holiday packs for more information to order yours today. I uh, want to get out to the phone lines and I got a lot of thoughts on, on exactly what's gone on with the White Sox over the last two days and I know you do too. 312-591-8900 is the phone number here on White Sox Weekly. Uh, just after the 1230 news, we're going to talk to J.J. Cooper of Baseball America, uh, but after that, you've got a chance to uh, chime in on the pretty clear and obvious new direction the White Sox have taken during the winter meetings. Head out to the phone lines now. Again, it's 312-591-8900 in Western Springs, it's John. Hey, John, what's on your mind? Connor, uh, just wondering, uh, in the White Sox organization, who, who, is the, who is the parade general, that, that guy that really is a fixture and is not going to be let go because Mr. Reinsdorf is such a loyal uh, person when it comes to uh, employing people? And who, who are the people? In other words, Rick Hahn, what is his role? Is, is uh, Kenny Williams, has his role diminished? Who, do you know in, in that same context? Who is managing our farm system and the talent there? And then lastly, has Mr. Reinsdorf brought a, one of his children in in a management position? And, and how do you envision or what, what is that person's role? It's kind of confusing right now. I know um, we hear a lot from Mr. Hahn, not so much from Williams. I just don't know uh -huh. compared to uh, back in the uh, 2005 era where Kenny was always sure. um, in front of the camera. So thanks all. I'll hang up and listen to your uh, answer. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it, John. Um, okay, I will start where I can. A lot of questions in there. Rick's the general manager. He is the guy in charge of making phone calls and making sure that these trades that we've seen over the last handful of days get done and the right returns going through. Rick and Kenny have both uh, talked a lot over the last six months or so, going back to June and I think it was June, maybe it was July, when Rick Hahn, uh had a press conference, well, it wasn't a press conference, it was in the dugout and was talking about um, 
the, the fact that the White Sox had changed their perspective, their trade perspective from uh, adding any short-term stopgap, I think are the terms he used, players that would just help the 2017 uh, 16 roster. Um, from that point on, the front office was really a, a combined force. There were guys talking about uh, what it is to what it's going to mean to address the future of this ball club and make sure that sustained winning is a process um, and, and a long term process. I, I think, and, and I've said this before in a couple of different places, and I've I've said it uh, on the website too. You don't take. Uh, an approach like this into the winter meetings and make as many moves as you did without a unified front office and a unified ownership with that front office. I think it's pretty clear because of the scope of of the trade of Chris Sale, the scope of the trade of Adam Eaton, and clearly what's being rumored to be down the pipeline and potentially more moves made. And you heard Rick Hahn talk about it with us just a couple of minutes ago, and, and he said it. And this was just after uh, the Chris Sale trade, so the Eaton trade hadn't happened yet, but I get the sense that there are more. If he had his druthers, Rick said, It'd be plenty more deals done during the winter meetings. He got one more done, and it sounds like there's more being talked about too. So, um, I, I I guess the, the the question is exactly who's in charge and where's it going. The guys in charge are the guys that you hear and talk. Uh, Kenny does talk from you know time to time. Uh, he and Rick work together to to get deals like this done. Um, there are others in that front office that that make things work too. Uh, the farm system has been reworked. Chris Getz has been brought in, the director of player development. Uh, he's brought in from the uh, Kansas City Royals after two years with them. Nick Capra, who had been the farm director, has been moved to the third base coach. And uh, we'll, we'll talk with J.J. Cooper about that in just a, a couple of minutes here, too, at Baseball America. So the player development core, the amateur scouting core, Nick Kostetler is now the director of amateur scouting. That happened uh, prior to this year's, this last year's draft, a well-reviewed draft by a lot of places. Um, real quickly here, let's head out to the phone lines again and squeeze in another one. It's uh, Larry in Bridgeport. What's up, Larry? Larry? Yes. Do we wake you up? Well, I'm, I'm in the car, so. What's on your mind, my uh, man? When are the White Sox going to address the catching situation? Collins in the minors, okay, in a couple years. But we need somebody now, a real catcher, not a has been or a recycle guy. Not a pretend catcher? Makes uh, sense to me, Larry. Uh, I got you, Larry. All right. Larry, I appreciate it. We'll put you on. Thank you. I pre- we will get to that. Here's what we'll do. I'm up against the 1230 News, but I knew Larry wanted to ask something real quick there, so we got him in. Uh, we will talk about exactly where the White Sox are going, what I think is going to happen down the road here uh, in a little while. About twelve After the 1230 News, we'll talk with J.J. Cooper, Baseball America, about what the White Sox got back in the sale and eaten deals. Nobody, believe me, nobody knows prospects like J.J. Cooper at B.A. So you'll hear the, the very best scouting reports on some of these guys. And let me tell you, they're good. <laughs> they're very good. Uh, 312-591-8900 is the phone number here on White Sox Weekly. I have one more read that I have to give you, too, before we get out of here to the 1230 News. Sox fans... Don't let aches and pains keep you from doing the things you love to do. Schedule an appointment at any of our 340 facilities by visiting athletico.com slash appointments. Athletico, the official physical therapy provider of the Chicago White Sox. Athletico, better for everybody. Don't lose the phone number. Hit us on Twitter at C1McKnight. 1230 News is next. you got White Sox Weekly, WLS, AMA 90. The arsenal for Fernaldo. Fastball averaging 96 miles an hour. Curveball change to go with it. Swing and a miss on 98. Upstairs. Off speed. 
That's pitching right there. Showing them the 98. He's playing some good old country hardball here in Atlanta right now. Swing and a miss on 97 upstairs. Wow. 98 with command and location. So Granderson, Cabrera, and Cespedes, the first three hitters Lucas Giolito will face. Currently rated by ESPN.com and MLB.com, the number one prospect in Major League Baseball. Granderson, shorter lead, not running. Swing and a miss. Strikeout. Number one in the Major Leagues for Lucas Giolito. We're about to see the Major League debut of Yoan Moncada. The outstanding, talented youngster, just 21 years old from Cuba. And he chops that one fair down the line for his first major league hit down into the corner. That's going to bring in a run. Leon is coming in. Here comes the second run. Young will score, and he's in his second base. Moncada with a double, and he does a lot of damage with that first major league hit to drive in a pair of runs. Oh. Moncada to left, and gone! The most popular way to follow White Sox baseball is with MLB.com at bat. It's the number one app for live baseball. You get to enjoy live look-ins, highlights, game day scores, stat cast, live radio broadcasts, and more. Get MLB.com at bat on your favorite devices now. So we welcome you back into White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. We're continuing to talk about the big-time trades the White Sox have made at the winter meetings just a couple of days ago. To continue that conversation and get some expert analysis, we turn to J.J. Cooper, the managing editor at Baseball America and Rule 5 Draft Aficionado. J.J., a busy winter meetings. Thanks so much for taking some time out for us. Uh, happy to join you. Yeah, it was a – I, I wouldn't even call it – it was a really fun winter meetings because it's, it is fun when things happen at the winter meetings. And this was definitely a year, especially if you look at the White Sox, things happened. I know it was it was a lot to take in in a couple of days. So what are your general impressions of the Sox? We'll get into the prospects and some scouting reports and whatnot. But, you know, coming into these winter meetings, Sox fans, and believe me, I know it. I mean, the question was, will they go this direction? They indeed did. What are your general impressions of the decision to trade Chris Sale and Adam Eaton so far? I think that I think Chicago was really stuck in a terrible place. They had some really good players. Chris Sale, obviously, Jose Quintana. You've got Todd Frazier. You've got Jose Abreu. They, you know, David Robertson. They've got guys who are really good. The problem is, is that I, I look at the 2017 White Sox, and it was really hard to say that if you t- brought the 2016 team back, that they were going to be that much better. Chris Sale was really good last year. Quintana was really good. Frazier was about as good as you could expect him to be. Adam Eaton was good. These guys performed. It's not like that they had a lot of injuries in 2016 mm-hmm. and they just missed the playoffs by a couple of games. This was a team that was stuck kind of in non-contention without either spending a lot more money in a pretty thin free agent market, especially on the pitching side, or they needed to rebuild. And it's not done yet. I mean, the rebuild, I would imagine they're going to end up making some more trades. But even so far, they have made massive strides on the rebuild with just a couple of moves. Yeah, so how deep of a, of a, of a prospect fill-out is this to you? I mean, have you are there comps to moves like this? I mean, with Sale having so much time left on a contract and Adam Eaton kind of the same, is there anything that, that in, the, in the past that reminds you of moves like this and how much better is the Sox system now? Oh, it's dramatically better. Uh, it's, 
the the way I'll put it is is that the the, the White Sox had a truly near the bottom farm system. They weren't the 29th worst. They weren't the 30th worst, but they were somewhere in that 26, 27th, maybe even 28th range. I mean, they were at the bottom. And you look at them now, and they're easily a top 10. Maybe they're a top five farm system now. Wow. And again, that's what there's still more moves to come. But I guess if I'm looking for a way to describe that, you know, and this kind of starts diving into the prospects, but Yohan Mankata is clearly their number one prospect now. But we had already done our White Sox top 10 uh, for the offseason. We'll update it now. But we've done our White Sox top 10. If you said, okay, well, how do these guys who are coming in compare? I would say that six of the seven guys that they traded for in those two days are going to rank in their top ten. And those six of those seven, you could make an argument. We haven't finalized it yet, but you could make an argument that six of, the, that six of those prospects rank among the top seven prospects in the White Sox system now. Wow. That's a pretty dramatic change. And, and what's interesting to me, talking with J.J. Cooper at uh, Baseball America here on White Sox Weekly, what's interesting to me is that, you know, we've seen sell-offs before. We've seen some rebuilds of, you know, similar ilk, but over, like, longer time. You know, we're talking about the Cubs and the Astros and those kind of processes. It looks like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like they've picked up prospects, the White Sox have, that are a lot closer to the big leagues than prospects that either of those teams or other rebuilding teams have traded for. Really the only one that I can think of in those two, Addison Russell was pretty darn close to the big leagues when the mm-hmm. Cubs picked them up. Otherwise, they were guys whose windows were you know two, maybe more years out. No, you look at this and you say, okay, Lucas Giolito, you should pitch in, you know, in Chicago at some point in 2017. Ronaldo Lopez should pitch in Chicago at some point in 2017. He may be ready to go on day one. I know that the, the White Sox are talking about the need to kind of give you on Mankata, you know, some time, more time in the minors. And, and let's be honest, with all these guys, they may get slowed down a little bit more than normal now because the 2017 White Sox aren't really going to win anything. So if that's the case, don't, you know, add up service time too much. Let them really be ready. Right. But Giolito, Lopez, Mankata are all guys who have already played in the majors. They're not far away. Even a guy like Kopech. Kopech pitched last year in high class A. It depends on – you can be really patient with them if you want them to be a starter. You can also, if it came to the point in 2018 or 19 and the rebuild's going really well and they need help, he's a guy who can help them because you can put him in the pen and he's pretty close to ready to do that. So I do think that these are guys who are uh, much closer to the big leagues and this is not a we'll be waiting and seeing from what these guys can do in 2020, 2021 or anything like that. I want to talk uh, about the arms that got picked up here. Obviously, there were a lot of arms in these two deals, uh, a handful of them. And and I like that Rick Hahn and the White Sox were going out and finding the best prospects. It's not so much about positionality for me, but when you look at some of the arms involved in these deals, throwing strikes on a regular basis is kind of the, the knock on each one of them and why they're prospects and not major mm-hmm. league starters. Do you look at the marriage between the White Sox, who are a system that really does generate pitchers at a high rate and at a quality rate, and some of these guys as, as pretty decent or, or easy clicks? You, you kind of have two types of guys who are not in the big leagues yet who are pitching prospects. <laughs> you know, if you have the guy, then Julio Urias was with the Dodgers as a 19-year-old this year is the guy who hits the, to checks these boxes to me. If you have a guy who has premium top-end stuff and regularly throws strikes, very rarely is that guy in the, in the minors. Right. Because he's checked off everything he needs to do to get the big leagues. 
So when you're acquiring prospects, you've really got two combos almost. You've got the guys who they throw, they have really good stuff, really good arms, they throw really hard, they have really good breaking balls or a really good change-up, and that's, I think, something you could say for Giolito and Lopez and Kopech. Or they're guys who don't throw as hard but already locate, and that's why they're having success. Uh, if you're trading for guys and you're trading for looking down the future, you know, long-term in the future, I, to me, I would rather have the guys who uh, – Giolito's thrown 100. Lopez has thrown 100. Kopech's thrown 100. Dunning won't throw 100, but he throws. He's got a, a plus fastball as well. You get those guys, and especially when you put them in a, an, an organization that has done an outstanding job, especially at the big league level, of developing pitchers, you put that all together – you want you want the raw clay that has higher potential than the guy who sits at ninety ninety two but really can locate it. They they're going for the guys who there's some refinement still to be done, but they're special arms. And yeah, I, I completely agree with the going in that direction. That's really what you look back at Chris Sale. That's what Chris Sale was when they drafted him. Yeah, yeah and yeah. obviously that's worked out very well. What do you think of some of the uh, the back end, the sweetener type guys in these two deals? You mentioned Dunning, uh, Luis Alexander Basabe, which is uh, just an awesome name to get to say. Uh, what do you think of some of those, and and where do you think the White Sox maybe have their their best uh, lottery ticket per se? Well, let me start with Basabe, and let me just say, as someone who covers prospects, this has become a lot easier. At the start of last year, we had two. There were two Luis. A, Basabes in the Red Sox system. Yes, there were. <laughs> There's Luis Alexander, who has now been traded, obviously, to the White Sox. And there was Luis Alejandro, who's now been traded to the Diamondbacks. So now we have them in separate leagues. It's a little easier to keep track of and all. But Luis Alexander is the better prospect of the two. Uh, got a chance to be a power speed outfielder who had a pretty good year. I mean, he started off really slowly in uh, low class A, which is about four steps away from the majors. But started out slowly, got a lot better as the season went along, but there's a lot of potential there. He's, he was, he'll be a top 10 prospect in the White Sox system right now. He was a uh, top 10 prospect in the Red Sox system before this. So this is, you know, he's a, if this was a smaller deal, he would be the guy. I mean, you could, you can get a useful player by trading Luis Alexander Basabe because he's that good. Mm. Dane Dunning, I mean, that was their Nats' first-round pick. Again, this is a guy, not really a throw-in as much as a guy who's a little further away, obviously, he was just a first-round pick this year, but very solid career at Florida, very solid stuff. You know, he, consensus first-round pick, not a guy who it was a surprise they took or anything like that. He, There is a chance. He's a little bit more refined, you could almost argue, than Giolito or Lopez at this point. He's a little, maybe even a little safer, although they both have their arms are better, their stuff is better at its best. But it wouldn't be a completely stunning development if Dunning ended up being the best of those three arms that got there. It'd be a, I'd say you wouldn't expect it because those two guys are closer to the big leagues and have done more already. But, but he's, again, a, a very much a legit dude. And the last guy they got in this, Victor Diaz, I do I do a lot of South Atlantic League coverage for us. That's low class A, and, and sure. see a lot of games in that league, and, and talk to a lot of managers and scouts and all that. You couldn't talk to a manager in in the South League this year who didn't talk about Greenville's bullpen and how good it was. And one of the key reasons that that bullpen was that good was Victor Diaz. Now, relievers who are relievers in low class A don't usually end up being closers, but there's a lot of them who end up being useful relievers in the big leagues. Victor Diaz again has a Serious fastball. I mean, high 90s. He has a good breaking ball as well. The pieces are there for him to be a guy who 
two years from now is pitching out of the bullpen. Maybe he's pitching the seventh. Maybe he's, he's pitching the eighth. Every one of these guys they got, there's not a, okay, that's a, a just a distant flyer who has a slight chance to make the majors. Every one of these guys has a very plausible path to the big leagues. Talking with J.J. Cooper here, Baseball America. Before we let you go, I wanted to ask about aggressive promotion of prospects. The White Sox are known to do that, especially with arms, whether it's Chris Sale or Rodon or even Carson Fulmer last year. They're they're able to do it because they get guys to work. Do you think that that theory or that philosophy sticks with some of these uh, some of these arms that they've acquired, or is that a different plan now? Because you mentioned uh, what the 2017 team may look like uh, if these all if the trades continue. Very good question. Well, you're hearing rumblings from the White Sox that no, they're going to slow things down. I mean, it's also worth noting that they've made some changes. They've moved some guys around. Nick Capra, who was the farm director for, for several years, right. is now on the big league staff. So, you know, a, a different farm director comes in. Farm directors don't make these decisions in a vacuum, but they are a significant part of the decision-making process on this. And we are getting some indications that maybe they're going to move guys a little bit slower. As you note, it's worked out pretty well for a number of guys. Yeah. I do think that there are, you know, there are also some hitters who – Probably, in hindsight, we're moved too aggressively. I wouldn't even say in hindsight. At the time, we were saying, wow, Courtney Hawkins is probably should not be in high A, and Courtney Hawkins was in high A and striking out a lot and things like that, their first-round pick from 2012. I, so I do think the combination of there's been some changes, some moves and all that, plus, as you just noted again, the, the fact that there's no reason to rush these guys to the big leagues to take lumps in the big leagues to rack up service time, which means they'll be free agents quicker on a team that's not going to be very good, it makes a whole lot more sense to let them really kind of dominate. This is something the Rays are obviously, the Tampa Bay Rays are one of the smallest of small market teams. But one of the notable things they do is, is for all their pitchers is they keep them in AAA almost until they're beyond ready. Hmm. But one of the things that does is, is that when they get to the big league, we saw Carlos Rodon last year. It's all flashes of greatness, but you also saw a lot of inconsistency. The raise of idea is, is that they want, the minute they start paying those guys big league salaries, they want those starters to be ready to produce, to fit right in the middle of rotation, and to be really more consistent than the average young pitcher. And that's worked out pretty well for them. I, I would see that there's some logic of doing that with Giolito, with Lopez, with Mancata. That could be an incredible triple a uh, team which thankfully for us is just down the road we're in durham north carolina just down the road in charlotte i'm looking forward to seeing those guys because that could be a really good triple a team and all those guys in giolito's case getting the fastball a little firmer again it backed up a little bit last year locating it better so that sets up his really good curveball better improving his change up in lopez's case it's all about control the fastball the change up are outstanding but he needs to throw them in the zone, hit his spots more consistently. And in Mankata's case, it's really about just making more consistent contact. We reached the big leagues last year, and when he did, he found he was not ready to consistently hit big league pitching. Time for him to go back to AAA and just kind of prove that he can do that and work on a little bit. He moved around last year defensively. Yeah. Looks like he probably his home with Chicago is second base. Send him to second base let him work on that and continue to refine himself defensively as well. 
JJ, appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. Uh, great talking to you. And I imagine as the uh, season progresses, we get into summer and uh, everything hops up in Birmingham. We'll talk to you again. Sounds good. You can join us for a fun season of White Sox baseball with your own customized Pick 7 or Pick 14 plan. Choose your favorite games and promotions and enjoy savings off the individual game ticket price. These plans are available now. So secure your seats before individual tickets go on sale. For tickets and more information, visit WhiteSox.com slash season tickets or call 312-674-1000. We'll uh, wrap it up here on White Sox Weekly when we get back. Still time for a couple of phone calls. That number is 312-591-8900. Or you can hit us on Twitter at C1McKnight. I'm Connor. You got White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. If you want to stay up to date on all things White Sox this offseason, be sure to follow the team on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat for all things White Sox related like SoxFest, on-sale dates, and more. Uh, also, sounds like there could be some things percolating and moving on with the White Sox as this uh, offseason continues Great place to check out all the latest right there. You can uh, you can also follow the latest right here on White Sox Weekly. Uh, just a couple of minutes left. And and really, uh, thanks for calling. And a big thanks to General Manager Rick Hahn and J.J. Cooper of Baseball America for coming on, talking about the Chris Sale trade with, uh, with Rick and about what's coming for the White Sox, too, in the next handful of weeks here. And a big thanks to J.J. Cooper. We talked a lot about the prospects there. And I just, I, I guess, here's where I'll leave it for this afternoon. Uh, And I'm sure we'll talk a lot about this next week, the week after, the week after that. I imagine we'll be talking about what the White Sox have done over the last week or so um, for most of the 2017 season. I mean, it is a big shift from where they've been over the last handful of years uh, and to where they're headed. I think one of the things that I think is is coolest about this whole idea, and I I do like the moves that were made. I I do understand and, and feel a little bittersweet about them. I loved... I loved watching Chris Sale pitch. I, I, there was just, there was this sense, this, this electricity whenever he stepped to the mound and did his work for that day. I, Ed felt it. DJ felt it. Everybody knew that it was right there and, and possible for something special to happen that day. That it, it hurts and it sucks to have to say goodbye. But it is a decision that is not made lightly. And it's a decision that I think is absolutely the right one. And I think subsequent ones in in moving some teams, uh, moving some veterans rather, perhaps off this team and for some of the younger prospects for a a deeper, a broader, uh, longer term future for this team. It's a tough one to make, but I think it's the right one. And I think when you look at the returns that just the sale and Eaton trade have already netted for the White Sox, and we talked about this with JJ Cooper of Baseball America, these guys are closer to the bigs than a lot of teams have been able to acquire over the last couple of years in their rebuild processes. And that's what's real cool. Guys like Mancata, guys like Giolito, guys like Lopez, and perhaps even a handful more could make their debuts in 2017 for the White Sox. And I don't want to, you know, it's, it's all going to be about the timelines, but that's there. And that future could be there and tangible for the White Sox sooner rather than later. That's an exciting thing, and it's an exciting time to look at the future of uh, of the Chicago White Sox. And we'll talk about it more next week on White Sox Weekly. We'll be back, as always, noon until 1 on this very same station. I'm Connor McKnight. Thanks to Rick Hahn. Thanks to J.J. Cooper. Uh, thanks to our producer, Justin Basic. Have a wonderful, wonderful Saturday afternoon, and stay warm out there. You've got WLS AMA 90.